This is a GRDC podcast. South Australian grain growers no doubt have none too pleasant memories of 2014, when beat Western Yellows virus destroyed many canola crops. Following such catastrophic events, it's the job of scientists to ask some difficult questions. First and foremost, why did this happen? Research following that particular event threw up some very interesting anomalies. I got the chance to sit down with Agriculture Victoria Senior Research Scientist Peter Trebecki to talk about what has happened since. But first, a reminder of what occurred back in 2014. So it was a really interesting year actually because I guess took everyone by surprise that you know this virus can do so much damage in canola. So up to 10,000 hectares were badly affected by this virus in canola in South Australia. Also large part of South Australia was affected where there was like half of the yields harvested as a result of the of the virus, what yeah. you know, what would be normally ex- expected in previous years. So it it was it was pretty bad, you know. It was pretty bad. What caused it to be so bad that year? Well, I, I think there's a number of different factors probably made it so bad that that actually destroyed many crops. The main thing is that the virus got into canola crops at early growth stage. So, you know, at mm. the seedling, seedling stage was transmitted. Mm. Uh, then so there were a lot of aphids around early in the season. That's right. We had lots of aphids around early in, on in the season. There's lots of virus in vegetation outside of the crop. So it could be very easily transmitted, you know, have right weather conditions for that to happen. So there's lots of different things actually happened, you know, took place at the same time that, you know, have this situation. So early infection, aphids flew from neighboring vegetations that contained the virus, you know, to, to spread the virus in the crop. Then obviously there was the virus was successfully transmitted into the crops and was very badly affected. Mm. And you did a lot of the lab work associated with that here. Yeah, so we work quite extensively to South Australia. We, we tested all those crops, so uh, Mohammed Aftab and, and Norel Nancaro and Angela Freeman, so people that were sort of playing the key role here in Victoria, trying to manage or help to understand you know, what's going on in, in South Australia. And the reason we're talking about that now is because you've also noticed that the very same virus in other crops doesn't behave that way in the, visually. Mm. Yeah, so viruses are very, very interesting organisms. You know, they're very tricky. And as I think sometimes we have uh, uh, different assumptions regarding the viruses, what to expect. So since, I guess, the virus outbreaks in canola in South Australia, we've been working extensively with uh, Grains Research Development Corporation and other groups in New South Wales, South Australia and Western Australia and Queensland to try to understand a bit more about the virus itself, actually what it does, uh, its epidemiology uh, and, and such. And we've been running field trials on beet western yellow, so turnip yellows virus as we call it now, in Victoria here, here in Horsham, on lentils and field peas. So mm. we've done field trial last year. Norel Nankara was the main person responsible for running the field trials. And the idea behind that field trials was to understand beet western yellow, so turnip yellows virus, epidemiology uh, and yield losses. So what we've done, we in the plots of field peas and lentils, we infected plots with, uh, with the virus. And over the growing season, we're trying to sort of understand, you know, how the virus 
affect the plants in terms of the virus exp symptoms expressions and such, you know, growth and dwarfing, whatever the mm. virus might do to the plant. With the main outcome of the study is to understand what the yield losses are, yeah. you know, how much grain we're going to yeah. expect to have as a result of the virus. So the, the main thing that came out out of this experiment, because we haven't done this experiment before, so we didn't know what to yeah. expect, and where generally around, let's say, end of August, September, October, we see symptoms of virus. We could not see symptoms in our infected experimental plots. Really? So, yeah, so that was quite interesting because we think, well, I started, you know, a bit worried, you know, what's happened? Maybe we didn't infect those plants and stuff. Yeah. But we did test the plants towards the end of September, and that's what we usually do anyway during our surveys. And our inoculation method worked very well because our infected plants were infected and our non-infected plants were non-infected. So how, how can you have infected plants but not showing no symptoms? Well, so that's something that we don't really understand very well, I suppose. And this is something that took us by surprise because we didn't see any symptoms and we started worrying that, you know, our inoculation method, did yeah, not work, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, you know, we had clearly lots of virus infection in plants but you could not see you know, those yellowing or redding sort of discoloration mm. on the leaves. And this was in field peas? And lentils. And lentils. That's right. Yeah. So it was not in canola's field peas and lentils. But you know, we harvested the plants and we see massive differences in yield. So on the biomass itself, just looking at the plants, we can tell. But actually when we harvested, removed the grain, we measured the grain yield, the grain size, you know, big differences. Is this in a greenhouse or in a paddock? That's, this, this is in a paddock in the field. Really? So this is probably as close as it gets to the real sort of scenario because what, we, what we've done, we have a virus that is the most common virus from around here, so very likely virus that's going to be around and we mm. know this virus is around because we also tested the plants, uh, you know, our control plots mm. that were not infected. We, some, we see some low level virus infection because we always see virus infection across the fields here as a result of natural mm. virus infection. So we're really struggling to see symptoms. So this is why you no longer rely on symptoms as an indication of, the, of a virus. That's right. I think it's a really good point because historically plant virologists or even farmers, agronomists will go to the field and you know inspect the yeah. uh, crops and look for different things. And we're really moving out of you know, this type of assessment for all our GRDC projects and Agriculture Victoria projects where actually we're showing the data on virus infection is based on testing, not on symptoms. Because symptoms are, can be very tricky. They can be very similar to other biotic or biotic stresses. And also looking at the symptoms and trying to say, well, how much virus is there, knowing that we have non-symptomatic virus expression is misleading because mm. giving sort of perception that there's no virus there, where actually, in fact, that can be yeah, a bit of a virus. Very yeah. dangerous to rely on that. Thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's now, not accurate. Yeah. Leading on from that, let's talk about a, a different virus, the yellow dwarf virus in cereals. Now, do the same principles apply? I mean, you tell me that, that you can see yeah. the symptoms in cereals, that particular virus. Do you continue to test for that as well? That's right. So for all those viruses across grains in cereals, in canola, in pulses, we test the yeah. plants. But also trying to, you know, visual assessment and understanding what might be happening, what we're able to see. So 
yellow dwarf viruses are it's a bit more complex because there are quite a few different virus species that are part of this complex of viruses. So we have Balliol dwarf virus, we have serial yield virus, mm. we have Ballivirus G, which is very new virus, uh, newly detected in Australia. And the symptoms might be slightly different in different host plants. So generally in wheat, we see this yellowing discoloration starting from the tip of the leaf and sort of spreading towards the base, and that will be uh, in wheat and barley. In oats, it's a bit more red mm. discoloration. But, you know, when you think about discoloration, it can be... It can be anything. And can be yeah. anything, yeah. If you know what to look for, discoloration, how the virus is going to be affecting the plants and why it's doing that, it's sort of, it's easier to say, well, that's probably likely virus or not. But in many cases, we have to test. Yeah. We have to test the plants. Especially knowing that quite often we don't see the discoloration or when the discoloration is coming in, it's maybe at the same time when this plant is starting senescing. So it's really difficult. Yeah. So because of that, uh, all our survey plants, you know, so we go every year across the farmer's paddocks. We're trying to understand what kind of viruses we have out there and what level of those viruses is there. So we, we use the molecular tests, you know, looking at the DNA or RNA, or serology tests, sort of using antibodies. And then we'll be able to precisely say, you know, this is level of virus in this paddock, this is level of virus in, mm. in that paddock. Mm. And we know now that quite often the level of virus in the, this paddock based on our test, which is very specific and very accurate. It's not very representative what we might see. And quite often we uh, underestimate. So we might say, well, I can, we can see, let's say, a 5% virus infection because more or less that's how much symptom, symptomatic plants are around in the paddock. But when we, let's say, do a test, it's 20%. Mm. Where does that leave farmers and their advisors, you know, yeah. the people who are trying to identify? whether it's a virus or some other mm. thing. Yeah, so it's difficult, you know. I, d I don't think we expect farmers to be able to do that. We as a scientist, we're sort of uh, scratching our heads and yeah. sort of thinking, oh, you know, what you can do about it because it, it is really uh, difficult. And it's not very specific for Australia as such. You know, it's not re really a problem that we have here in Victoria or Western Australia or South Australia. It's something that I think this non-symptomatic virus expression, it's something that, you know, is being a bit more common. I think with everything, you know, we're growing the plants, we're breeding for resistance and such. As a result, viruses adapt mm. and we might be selecting plants that actually not showing the symptoms, but quite often, you know, they are infected yeah. and they are, they are affected by the, the virus in terms of the yield losses. Do you think that is related to the survey work that you've done on yellow dwarf virus, where you are saying that there's been something like a fourfold mm. increase in Victoria since the early 80s? Is that all sort of related to, to that? That's right. So, you know, this is something that we're learning, you know, as, and we're gathering the data, we're getting more information and a bit of more understanding. Because in many cases, we are concerned about the viruses when we see like obvious stuff, you yeah. know, like this canola outbreak, yeah. that, you know, yeah. virus in canola outbreak that we had, you know, that crops were dead. But when you have low level of infection, like 10% or 20%, and you have low level of yield losses, it's very di difficult to assess for virus especially because you know that it can be quite sporadic and also can be from very specific for particular paddocks so you know farmer 
in this paddock might have this level of infection, we go to neighbouring uh, farm, it's a completely different story. Mm. Okay, to, just to wrap up then, Peter, I suppose your key message out of what we've been talking about today is don't rely necessarily on a visual assessment as to whether or not you've got virus in your paddock. Absolutely. This is the, something that we're coming in terms with as, as scientists ourselves more and more. And like I'm saying, took us by surprise a little bit that, you know, we, we might have 100% infection in infected plots, not seeing any symptoms of virus infection, but seeing like 40% yield losses. So this is something that's really, really concerning, something that I think needs to be, as a scientific community, we need to have a bit of discussion around that. And I think it's also a very important question for the industry, you know, how we actually assess a level of virus infection. I'm not saying that this is going to be across every plant species and every virus. So definitely we see uh, this to be a case in lentils and field peas with the turnip yellows virus or bit western yellows virus as we used to call. We still see this virus in canola when we have infections still nicely showing canola so that that's all right. But the reliance on tests, I think, will be more needed rather than just assessments because, you know, we want to maximize the yields, you know, so we want to make sure that, you know, nothing just, you know, flying under the radar. Agriculture Senior Research Scientist Peter Trebecki. My name is Chris Brown.